We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the NFL uh, Pick Six Show, Week Two, Week One officially in the books. The uh, the John Snow we know nothing slate is over. Now it's time for the uh, the overreaction slate, which will be fun as well too. Uh, Going to bring in two of the absolute best analysts in all the world. It's uh, Rich Rebar, of course, you know him from Sharp Football Analysis, and we got John Daigle from Four for Four from Betsperts as well. Uh, Daigle, I was talking to Rich pre-show briefly, asking about Week One. Let me ask you, I haven't had a chance to. He just chimed in a, a second or so later uh, that you survived. Was it profitable? Uh, we're here at week two. How did week one treat you? No, did not survive. Those aren't the kind of slates, to be honest, that I'm going to win when the chalk hits like that. Uh, so I wasn't fretting too much about it. I had the Saquon Barkley fade on, for better or worse. I was yeah. trying to figure out which of those players, knowing that we knew where the ownership was hovering around, to fade. And the answer was not Saquon Barkley or Michael Pittman. So not a good first <laughs> week, but I know how those things go. It's okay. Yeah, Pittman was, what, 5'5 five, five on DK, one of the most popular receivers, and, you know, free square and cash. And you, you uh, it was a – a good decision point for tournaments and you know you're running a thousand times and maybe it makes sense to not play him but you know obviously he certainly and paid the, off the salary the five dollar million maker for as large field as that tournament was still had Pittman and Barkley in them really just a couple changes like Antonio Gibson at single digit percentage things like that you didn't even need Patrick Mahomes although it helped you didn't need him to take down large tournaments or small fields for that matter is there anything from week one that, uh, you know, going into the season, all your prep, you're like, you feel like, yeah, that's, I got that right. Or anything you want to overreact to, or hey, maybe I'm, I'm just wrong on this. Any, any bold calls yeah. you want to make after week one, or it's just one week and, you know, not ready to, to flip out just yet. No bold calls per se, but I think we got the Steelers offense, right? I think we at least got that one pretty easy to fade. Yeah. Wait until they switch quarterbacks that I'm told that's supposed to be coming soon. We'll see. I don't know. Stay tuned for that. Um, yeah. All right. Let's let's move on. Well, I do want to ask uh, Rich. Same deal. How did uh, we kind of talked about it briefly, but let it be known. Or if you had any 
any hot takes, anything that you feel justified about as far as your hot take going into the season or <laughs> something that really surprised you or something where you're like, yeah, I was on this and nobody else was. Any big uh, takeaway as far as week one? Well, we all were on Michael Pittman, so everyone slapped themselves on the back. You know, <laughs> everyone got that one right. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Steelers, I mean, everything that, you know, and Najee got hurt, but like everything about his situation, because he was like a clear fade for me for redraft, and everything I feared about his situation came true. I mean, they didn't target the running backs out of the backfield. The offensive line still created no kind of space, and the offense is just going to be terrible. So, I mean, you tack an injury onto that. I mean, that that looks like that's right. We were on Saquon, so, I mean, early. So, I mean, I mean, if we redrafted today, and I know it's only been one week, but, I mean, Saquon probably goes top five, I'm, a, I'm assuming, like if we shuffled up right now and did drafts. Uh, their schedule layout is fantastic. Uh, we will talk about him, I am sure, again on the show, so I'll save it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I was in on real early. I will say I'm a little nervous about maybe uh, a couple guys, Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, Daigle knows I was off on, but, uh, you know, I would say I'd be pretty nervous about that second round, like, recoil right there. You were off of him, but not for eight touches to 15. That's uh, (laughs) especially how those touches came about. That's the concerning part. But it's just one week. You know, we're looking for week one as, like, the reveal, right? Like, the reveal of some of these questions. What – are the Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon usage going to be? What is, you know, Travis Etienne, James Robinson going to be like? Things like that, you know, and it's just we start to calibrate as we move along, uh, but it's only one week. Uh, we don't want to get too crazy and, you know, you know, head over skis or whatever, however the phrase that goes. <laughs> but uh, we're here, man. Week two, we're going to start to start to stack information. And, you know, as we start to stack information is when we start to get really good. Mm-hmm. I think the goofiest that I saw was when OJ Howard had two touchdowns <laughs> on six routes run or something like that. Are you guys are, are people spending money? I'm not a season long guy. Are people spending no. money on him in Fab? Is that happening, Daigle? No. And FFPC bids come in later tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be interested to see how Taysom. Kyle Phillips, Taysom, Jeff Wilson all play out. Zach Moss. The list goes on. Dontre Hilliard, Jalen Warren. Uh, we'll see how those play out. But really, I don't think there was anyone to break your bank for honestly in week one even though wilson will garner the largest bids mm-hmm. that's who i was gonna get how long is mitchell out for do we know or you're still kind of in the air up in the air about that two months you- and their bye week is in week nine so we're projecting through week nine at least in week 10 if this is your first time watching the nfl pick six show if you're not aware how it goes down we focus on the main slate so we're not gonna be talking about the thursday night game would love to that game was gonna be a spectacular mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas City versus the Chargers should be a lot of fun. Two Monday night games. We're not talking about that as well as the all the good teams are off this slate. Yeah, we're talking about a bunch of teams. It's funny. uh, Daigle sends the list and he's like, he always gives us the three teams, the three teams, uh, three games, six teams that we focus on. And like for starters, I'm like, we're just going to be hitting the AFC West all season long. I feel like that's going to be hitting a lot. And then it's like, I don't know, Washington, Detroit made the board at all last year. But in, in Jacksonville, these are some weird teams. But uh, that's kind of what we're stuck with. Um, you know, big boy total as far as Arizona and the Raiders. That's the, the AFC West, and that's not surprising. And that's, what, 51 and a half as far as the total. Otherwise, there's some games in the high 40s, and there's some eh, uneventful games down low. We'll touch on them as well. We're going to talk about our three main games we like uh, from a stack perspective, all the perspectives. And then, of course, we'll run it back and talk about the fair players, position by position, uh, in games that uh, we did not focus on just yet. We'll talk about Thrive later on. Do appreciate Thrive for sponsoring this show. And do appreciate y'all watching us on the old YouTube. Hit that like button kindly. Uh, you know, subscribe, turn on those notifications. And 
saw we got a lot of viewers last week, so we do appreciate it. But there was not a lot of comments in the comment section. And I was like, how can we get people to comment in the comment section? We answered all the questions. What? (laughs) I'm prompting them right now. The hottest take. I want the hottest, most accurate take in the comment section. I'm going to go back and put your, like, Twitter account there. So if you get it right, I want to be able to track you down. I'll hook you up with one week free of Roto-Grounders Premium. I don't know if you guys can make stuff work for people too. I don't want to put it on you, but you know, feel free to to join in. But uh, you know, if you want to, get, I don't know what you're at liberty to give away, John or Rich. But uh, by all means, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna track the uh, the comments in the comment section. The hottest take we got in the comment section, most accurate, hottest, most accurate combination platter. I'll get you one week free RG Premium. And again, put your Twitter account so in case you happen to get it right, uh, I can track you down and hook it up. All right, um, we got anything else, boys? We're diving in. We're diving in, right, Rich? Let's rock. All right, three-gamer, three-game slate. Well, no, three-game slate. No, no. Here's the three main games we're going to be focusing on. The very first one, it's Washington. Yeah, let's do it. Washington at Detroit in a dome, 48.5 as far as the total. Washington's a two-point dog here. Rich, are we concerned at all as far as Swift? Uh, We record this on a Wednesday night, if you guys are not aware. Uh, Swift missed practice on Wednesday. Typically, general rules, we don't care until Friday, right? I mean, I don't know how serious that is. What, What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's something we'll monitor. I mean, it kind of came up today uh, that he had an ankle injury. He kind of suggested that he was still going to play, so we'll keep tabs on it. Uh, you know, obviously, if he's going to carry that cue, you know, people will be hesitant to, to, to use him. But we'll wait and see if he's out. That's the one drawback of doing this show on Wednesday. We get the first look, but then also we're flying blind on everything that happens. Because remember, it's the first week. Like, last week was the first week. This is the first week after the games, and, like, Wednesday practices like guys miss Wednesday practices all the time. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if our guy Arthur Juan has ever practiced on a Wednesday in his career, <laughs> uh, just maintenance days. But uh, you want us to look Thursday, Fridays when you want to see if guys start missing practices. Uh, so we'll follow some things with Swift. Um, but, you know, obviously if he's out, then, you know, that will open up, uh, you know, potential for Jamal Williams to be more than his, you know, token vulture uh, stealing touchdown us, And we could have had like a, a 40 burger from DeAndre Swift last week. Oh, man. Williams siphoning touchdowns. Who would – oh, Craig Reynolds? Would he siphon from Williams if Swift was out? I don't I know. think they have Justin Jackson too. Uh, they added him where he's been on the team and they just like brought him up from the practice squad. We'll talk obviously under the assumption that Swift is good to go. Obviously, for whatever reason, if he doesn't go – Jamal should step in and get a, a a usage bump. Rich, where do you want to go first as far as Washington and Detroit? Um, I'll start with Washington because they were pretty good last week. Uh, offense was good. I mean, you know, Scott Turner got in his bag pretty early. I mean, they were doing a lot of creative things with not just Curtis Samuel, but uh, Antonio Gibson can catch the football. Uh, who knew, right? Like the guy that played former wide receiver could catch the football. And you, the interesting thing about Antonio Gibson, who led the team in receiving in week one was he still conceded all of his passing down and long distance work to JD McKissick. Uh, they were doing creative things on early downs with him in the passing game. Now, I don't know how static that's going to be because it's early down stuff. And I doubt we have another game where Terry McLaurin has a career low 10% target share. Uh, I definitely think that's something that won't be static, but you know, Detroit was a team we targeted last year weekly with running back play. I mean, literally every week they allowed the most touchdowns to opposing running backs. And what do they do in week one? They come out and just get blasted by running backs again. Uh, You know, They give three touchdowns to Eagles running backs, uh, 150 total yards. Miles Sanders is is useful, and everyone's happy to have Miles Sanders again. So, I mean, Antonio Gibson's going to be walking into another spot. You know, I doubt he catches seven of eight targets again, but it's a really another nice spot for him 
to have an opportunity to one, you know, score touchdowns because all their touchdowns were passing last week um, and just take advantage of this Lions kind of front that was still exploitable, you know, to the fullest last weekend. John, jump in here. What are your thoughts as far as Gibson and that Washington offense as a whole? I agree with practically everything Rich said. For Gibson to also handle 82% of the running back touches in a competitive game script, maybe that was expected. But out-touching McKissick 21-6 to overall is fairly huge, especially on a slate where we don't have much value. Well, we don't have cheap plays. We have values that should be priced higher, but we don't have many cheap plays right now. So Gibson may sneak in, especially if everyone tries to get up to Jonathan Taylor, who we'll talk about later. And people will naturally play Christian McCaffrey for better or worse, uh, just trying to be the person who's ahead of his bounce back. So as we look at the entire slate, I think Gibson's a, a great value. And we need Washington to push the pace a tad, but they showed us in 35 points against the Eagles, they can do so whether Jared Goff helps out or not, because at least last week he didn't help out, but they'll still push the pile and hopefully help us out on Washington's side of the ball. Yeah, the best thing about Wentz, uh, especially in week one, is you got the best of both worlds because Wentz will give you a couple that puts the other team in the game, but then it keeps the it keeps the game flow going, right? Like you you never get like one sided. So it was, you know, Wentz kind of helped us helped us out last week get a lot more offense from Washington side. Uh, not a lot of sentences start out with the best thing about Wentz. Um, uh, he was great last week. I think he's gonna be good again. I mean, the, this Lions defense was, you know, bad. I, I, I think Wentz, like especially in season long, like I would play him over Tom Brady this weekend, uh, for sure. I think I would stream him. Uh, there's a couple other guys I think are better, like Derek Carr, but I think Wentz is in another really good spot. Detroit was 22nd completion rate allowed last year. They were 31st in yards for pass attempt, 31st in touchdown rate. And Jalen Hurts, you know, came out and threw for just under eight yards for pass attempt. And Jalen Hurts could have – he's the dude that we talked about, Swift. Same game. I mean, he he got tackled at the one-yard line on his own that led to a Miles Sanders touchdown right afterwards. Uh, Dallas Goddard got tackled on the one-yard line that led to a Boston Scott touchdown. Uh, and then there was uh, he got tackled again on the one yard line on a scramble that led to the Kenny Gainwell touchdown. So, I mean, we could have three more Jalen Hurts touchdowns in that game. A few of those running back carries on the one were also RPOs that he just handed off to Sanders in particular got that one. So, yeah, Hurts could have exploded. Um, for Washington, it's interesting because Rich already noted McLaurin's career low target share, and you would think that where and who McLaurin eats from would be Jahan Dotson, given that their A dots basically overlap. Jahan Dotson was at 16. Terry McLaurin was at 18 at the deep threat. Curtis Samuel probably doesn't lead the team in targets again and doesn't have the sexy deep threat as the others do with just a one, literally one yard A dot. But at the same time, that A dot comes along because they were concertedly scheming him touches. That's why he had 11 targets. That's why he had four carries because he's clearly a player they want to be involved in this offense. So I think there are just numerous ways to go in DFS, especially in a week where I don't like to chase the one of the highest scoring quarterbacks from the week prior. <laughs> but maybe, but maybe it does give us a good reason since we know the field is going to be on Trey Lance. Um, for his potential bounce back spot. And you can get really creative given everything we've said with Washington's offense and lineups. Speaking of creativity, uh, can you pair wins with Gibson? Is that something you're willing to do? Like a lot of times, obviously you want to pair your quarterback with your receiver, but if Gibson is going to catch the same amount of passes, gets the same amount of usage there. And of course he's got some, you know, he can do some stuff and run the ball as well. Is that something you consider John, or is that not necessary? I don't think so. Cause I would, I'm not saying you can't do it, but, the, the narrative we would be painting for that 
or for me, if I play Wentz as negative game script, and then that mm-hmm. would thus lead to J.D. McKissick being on the field. Because remember, we still have last year's evidence through week 12 before McKissick got injured. He was averaging a career high 11 and a half points, uh, DraftKings points per game. Like he is the player they will still put on the field, we assume so anyways, over Gibson if they're in that situation. So I wouldn't pair them personally. I would just hope that Gibson stays in because it's within one score throughout the entire time. Rich, you're always talking about uh, your boy, the sun god, Amon Ra. Yeah. Is this another Amon Ra uh, St. Brown spot for you? Absolutely. It's a great spot to play the sun god until people start putting respect on his name. I mean, the dude had another eight catches. Uh, you know, he's had, what, had eight or more catches now in seven straight games going back to last year. He had another 32% of team targets. He's had 30% of the team targets in seven straight games. He scored a touchdown in five straight games going back to last year. Uh, you know, and he's playing again uh, after he's playing a Washington team that after they were 29th in points allowed to opposing slot receivers last season, they come out and just get dusted by Christian Kirk uh, in week one. So they give up 126 yards and eight catches the Jacksonville wide receivers from the slot. So, I mean, yeah, it's another great spot for the Sun God. Nobody played him last week. And, he, you know, like he every and I saw on multiple shows, we brought him up. I saw like Ian Harditz and Dwayne McFarlane brought him up and his ownership was still like trash dude on FanDuel, he was like six percent like in 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 small field stuff which was crazy I think even he had like a weird price he was in kind of a dead zone spot i think that's what the issue was the problem is, is he's not a dead zone he's a wide receiver one the yeah. dude catches eight passes every game like he's getting less like boku targets and we talked about him being a problem like the lines weren't going to go back and funnel targets to tj hawkinson like it wasn't going to be a thing and that's what happened and you know and you add dj shark to the mix too in the game script helped so we would love to see detroit kind of fall behind i mean they're kind of uh, a sketchy favorite this week anyways yeah uh, you know so i mean this get this game should be i think tight yeah uh three point favorite no two point favorite as of right now what i'm seeing as far as detroit team total pretty solid at 25 just over 25 and change 48 and a half as far as the total on the board is there much to get excited about rich i mean like again it could be shark again he could be fine but there's no reason to think that I don't think there's any reason that they get it's a spectacular play beyond St. Brown uh, on Detroit when it comes to the receivers, the, uh, the pass catchers. Yeah. I mean, Sharks basically going to, you know, he's going to be that volatile option, right. You know, kind of throwback Marvin Jones this, but he was on the field a ton. Uh, you know, basically he ran the same number of routes as Amon Ra. So he was out there uh, and he did have a, t- a 22% team target share, which was solid. Got a touchdown over big play slay. Uh, but yeah, he's going to be kind of, you know, volatile. I mean, I don't know how many doubles you're going to run, you know, with Detroit because we're probably not going to play golf, but you, this game has a natural stack side where you could play, you can get kind of cute with Wentz and run him back with the Sun God or Swift, and you can just have a natural mini and just play uh, the Sun God and, and Gibson if you want just a little isolated mini. I like that route much better. I, I like the sound of that as opposed to like playing mm-hmm. off for Wentz and starting. I mean, you know, they can get there, of course, but uh, I'm kind of an elitist when it comes to the quarterbacks. So I want the yeah, their stars, yeah. they want quarterbacks with legs, and like neither one of these guys have legs, and their arms are both kind of sketchy too. And I know there are, there are routes, obviously, and they're cheap. You know, we do a little bit of a salary cap, but uh, golf yeah, finished golf finished with the lowest on target rate of any quarterback who started in week one. And so although Chark did get there because that deep touchdown also tied for the second most targets, 20 plus yards downfield last week, we are still on prayer yards watch given oh, that, yeah. uh, you know, every, everything just seems to be declining weekly annually with Jared Goff still. But we saw with Wentz the one thing, 
that he kind of had with this transition to Taylor Heineke that like objectively looked on paper as a massive upgrade was him throwing the ball downfield. I mean, he was a top five quarterback and on target rate on throws 30 or yards or further downfield mm-hmm. last year with the Colts. And we saw that immediately in week one kind of pay dividends for Terry McLaurin, a guy who's never gotten on target deep targets in his career. Now we just need more targets to come. That, that throw to <laughs> McLaurin was hot too. Yeah, That was a bucket dropping it in. It was a dime. By the way, I just realized I'm on a goof when I was talking about the comment section. I'm, I see the live chat is pulled up right now. What's up, chat? We appreciate you guys watching us live. And again, kindly hit that like button. Do subscribe and hit those notifications. Get them on. But when I was saying the hottest, most accurate tag take, I'm not going to like go back and read the chat like after the show. I mean, like in the actual, you got to do it after the show. In the comment section on the YouTube, you know, I, I, people are firing off some hot takes in there. and Maybe some are good. I don't know. But hit the copy and paste and throw it up. Listen, uh, let's get Steve behind the scenes. He's, I don't know if he's even working. He's probably watching DFS lineup. So they'll pop some of those up here, man. Let's uh, let's see if we can get some involvement going on in the show. Bob, we use StreamYard. We have comments now you could put on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Producer Steve ha- is having himself a rough day, just like your boy is. Uh, Steve's a big Mets fan, and you guys don't care about MLB DFS, but the most popular pitcher in MLB, the MLB DFS on a Wednesday night, David Peterson got his face fully punched in, got like one out and six earned runs, and uh, he's upset that his Mets uh, you know, are just getting shellacked. I assume they still are, and I'm upset because I lost a lot of American dollars. That's unfortunate, but hey, it's DFS. We'll wake up tomorrow. We'll fire some more bullets. Uh, in the chat, by the way, John, uh, they're talking about Curtis Samuel, Undertaker.gif. 11 targets last week. Is that sustainable? Do we care? Are we excited about Curtis Samuel in the year 2022? It's, as I mentioned, the shallow A dot, I understand, is not something that people want to chase. But the way they were scheming him targets, uh, the way he's involved in this offense, I think he could practically take away from Jahan Dotson weekly. Uh, it, it's probably going to be volatile. But, man, to get those targets like a, and carries like a Chase Claypool almost – uh, he offers a high floor for sure. I'll be curious to see where his ownership comes in. I don't think people want to play him, right? I, well, Probably you know, not. Yeah, sorry, you about Samuel or Dotson? Uh, Samuel. Okay. Ma- right. Maybe uh, recency bias they want to play Samuel. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, like I, Maybe I'm just – I just don't want to play Sam. I mean, when I look at McLaurin's target share last week, the most natural place I go is the 19 total targets Gibson and Samuel got combined and saying that those are probably not going to be yes. static week to week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, some are going to be delegated to, uh, to Terry's way. But Samuel, well, people forget, like he's only 26 years old and the last season he played, that was a full season. Cause he basically didn't play all last year. He led all wide receivers and touches in the NFL. So I, I mean, forget. like, yeah, so, I mean, me. listen, it's and they gave him good money. I mean, they, the Washington has a legit set of skill makers. Like they have good players. It's just we're counting on once weekly to have some level of consistency. But they have legit playmakers. We got anything else here, boys? Anything else worth uh, focusing on, or shall we move on? We're moving on. Uh, game two, Arizona and the Raiders, uh, 51 and a half as far as the total Raiders, five and a half point favorites. Arizona was an absolute disaster week one. Um, not certain if they're going to have more back this week as far as their receiving core. Of course, Hopkins is going to be out. Uh, Kirk is still gone. Uh, Chase Edmonds is still gone. They got absolutely shellacked there by uh, Kansas City. Uh, I'll throw this to you, to you, John. You know, this should be on paper the biggest shootout of the week. Will it, uh, will it play out that way? I don't know. It's such an interesting game because, and maybe not in the way that people think. 
Uh, I guess I'll start with the Raiders side of the ball. Oh, no, I'll go start with, with Kyler Murray because the Raiders only rushed four defenders on 43% of their snaps and still recorded the fourth highest pressure rate of week one against the Chargers O-line we consider to be significantly stronger than Arizona's. At least last year, Murray dumped it off for the seventh highest completion rate under pressure. But in week one with Zach Hurts hobbled, Marquise Brown streaking downfield, and this offense, for whatever reason, being built around Greg Dortch. Like, Murray was horrible. He was 4 of 13 for two yards per attempt under duress. There's just nowhere for him to go right now. And so maybe it's the same situation because it doesn't sound like right now we're going to get Rondell Moore. Uh, Zach Ertz still ran a route on over 85% of drop back, so he was available, although he was injured. But there, there are lots of question marks with this Cardinals offense. Lots. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll throw it to you, um, Rich, as far as uh, let's knock out the Cardinals first. And do we expect them to bounce back? They should bounce back, right, theoretically, in a dome as well. Uh, how do you feel about the Cardinals? They can't be any worse, I suppose. We'll give them that. I mean, maybe they can. I mean, this is still another <laughs> spot where when you look at the, all the missing pieces the Cardinals have on both sides of the football, I mean, you're still counting on, like, Cliff Kingsbury and Vance Joseph to coax the most out of both of these units. And those have been tough spots to like count on. Like it's been really tough to count on that. We now have, it's not just a one game sample either. Like when Kyler lost DeAndre Hopkins last year, the splits were just night and day and it happened again, you know, in week one, uh, there's just not a lot of like really great surrounding talent. The offensive line is bad. Uh, it's just, it's really tough. And you know, it, it's kind of baked into that. They only have a 23 point in, implied total. And it's uh, sinking too, for good reason. Like it's kind of baked in that like they're not a sure thing, and there's a reason for it. I mean, obviously, I think we can still play guys like Marquise Brown because when we get on the other side, I have pretty good confidence that the Raiders are going to bounce back, uh, especially against this defense because the Cardinals. I mean, we talked about it last week when we talked about the Chiefs. I mean, they're just missing so many starters and not good starters to begin with. So the next man up is even worse. And they did absolutely nothing to slow down the Chiefs. That's fine. You don't give up any of the Chiefs. But going back to last year now, they've allowed multiple passing touchdowns in eight straight games. They've allowed 20 or more DraftKings points to seven of the past eight quarterbacks they faced going into last year. Uh, it's just a great spot for the Raiders to kind of get right. And, um, yeah, I mean, Derek Carr and his pricing, like, I mean, wheels up. I mean, I, I think he's the one guy we talk about taking a quarterback that maybe doesn't have legs. I mean, I would absolutely anticipate Derek Carr to push for three bills in this game. Yeah, I mean, he's cheap enough uh, where you don't necessarily need all the, all the stuff on the ground either. And he does kind of have to get there with cracking the 303 mm -hmm. or 304, but you can. But the other part, though, Rich, is like neither one of you guys sound like you're terribly convinced that Arizona like is going to hang. Uh, but they're, they're, Arizona, Arizona, the cool thing about Arizona, and we saw it again last, like they're just going to run a ton of plays. The cool thing is that they're just they're still going to play fast. They might not go anywhere. <laughs> But, like, they're going to run a lot of plays. Like, so. And, and if it's – I wouldn't say competitive, but if they're, if they're within two scores, like they showed us James Conner staying out there. You know, Benjamin didn't touch the ball until the second drive of the third quarter after the Chiefs scored and built a 30-7 to lead. Until that point, it was all James Conner. All six of his targets came in the first half. So they showed us, like, as long as it's not – that much of a blowout, they'll just leave him out there. He'll be out there to burn with Kyler Murray for the entire game. So that makes him an interesting player as well.
I mean, Dorch is only 3-6 on DraftKings. He ran the same amount of routes as Hollywood Brown. He was excellent in the preseason, too. Like, this dude balled in the preseason. And the Raiders allowed 10 catches for 135 yards to Charger slot receivers uh, last week. So, like, he's super cheap. I mean, he's – I bet he ends up being pretty popular as the week goes along and Ronda Moore is officially out, which he's trending towards already early on. Yeah, you thought about the Arizona keep trying. They got a garbage touchdown from Marquise Brown, who was chalky last week. He got a garbage touchdown, and he was still bad. Like, it was kind of sort of like salvage <laughs> time, but it was still – his stat line was still not very good. Uh, the Raiders, man, I don't – the tricky part is I don't want to play Josh Jacobs. I'm curious – I mean, if I want to play Devontae Adams. Obviously, everyone's played Devontae mm-hmm. Adams. You know, he looks like he's just in incredible spots this week. You know, him versus Cup is an interesting conversation. Cup – also in a game that's projected to uh, blow out. Well, I shouldn't say this one's projected to blow out, but it, what, five five or six points as far as the line. Where do you want to start in that, Rich? Do you want to talk about Josh Jacobs, <laughs> who nobody wants to talk about, I don't think, uh, or Devontae Adams, uh, you know, dealer's choice? Yeah, I mean, it all starts, I still think, with, you know, Arizona's defense and the state they're in. You know, obviously we talked about last week they weren't going to have Antonio Hamilton. They didn't have Trayvon Mullen. We'll see if he's going to play. That's two starting cornerbacks that are down. Isaiah Simmons looked like he should just retire last week. Like, this dude was getting shadow-realmed by every single, you know, Chiefs player that he tried to guard transitioning to safety. They didn't have J.J. Watt. We'll see if he's going to play. Obviously, they don't have Chandler Jones and Jordan Hicks on the team anymore. There was not one element of of the game defensively that they showed up for uh the Chiefs got a first down in almost half of their offensive plays they couldn't stop the run they couldn't stop the pass uh it's just it's just rough man I mean they're gonna and Jance Joseph was just like hell I know we can't do anything and decided to just blitz Patrick Mahomes on 52 percent of the dropbacks he was like you know what screw it like we're not gonna stop him anyways I might as well send as many dudes as I can and just pray and Patrick Mahomes was, was the only quarterback through multiple touchdowns against the blitz last week uh, and he threw all five of his touchdowns against the blitz. So, like, I mean, no one ever blitzes Patrick Mahomes like that. Vance Joseph yeah. said, like, he was just like, what else are we going to do? Like, we might as well just send everybody. Just keep spamming, you know, big nickel, you know, linebacker blitz, you know, over and over again. And that's what I've been working under the assumption as, is if all these defenders are injured again, they're just going to send the house yet again at Derek Carr. And Carr wasn't. Patrick Mahomes against the Blitz last year. No one is, but still respectable 64% completion rate, nine yards per attempt against the Blitz. And we don't expect them to get there even in blitzing, unlike the Chargers last week who did. Like the offensive line for the Raiders is a concern and will be a concern moving forward. Basically lived up to all the issues Rich discussed last week. Derek Carr doesn't throw picks. He threw multiple. He doesn't take sacks. He took five. But again, like, this Cardinals defense just doesn't have the talent right now to hang in. So yeah, I mean the Raiders offense is where I'm looking. John, I would me- I would bump Josh Jacobs up in season long, which I know a lot of people don't like. You know, obviously he's not on any of my rosters, but like, you know, you feel good about getting him in. If you have him on your roster, if you're not going to play him this week, then you're just never going to play him. Uh, but like a DFS, like he's still pretty tough to play. Okay, I was waiting for somebody to sell me on him, and like I, I don't. Mean, want to yeah, I mean, if if it's if never like if if not this week, then never because I mean the Chiefs just steam like they. I mean, you got Isaiah Pacheco just like coming in and and just ripping runs for ten yards a pop at some point. You know, Ceh was really the guy, the guy who got me got like back to treading water last week. The Chiefs lineup with Ceh. Uh, I mean, if there ever was a week for Josh Jacobs, it'd be this. I mean, he's typically just the kind of guy I'm not going to pay for because. We saw with Josh McDaniels in week one, like he gets compartmentalized. 
he's not going to catch the football. Like he's just not going to be involved as a pass catcher. I mean, he only ran 17 pass routes last week. Uh, he did run for almost six yards per carry. Uh, but you know, just, you're not going to get any type of catches out of him. So you have to get touchdowns out of him and any type of running back where we're talking about from a DFS stance, like has to score. I mean, maybe not one, but two touchdowns. Like it gets kind of sketchy to play, but I will monitor and see how like popular he is, I guess, you know, throughout the week. I think it's going to be a week to week thing, even though we're talking about this week in particular for Jacobs, because like, if you look at this running back slate, it's just hard to fit him in because, yet again, there are stars and terrific mm-hmm. matchups again. Uh, we'll get to JT, but again, the Christian McCaffrey bounce back. Saquon Barkley arguably being too cheap on DraftKings in particular. Mm-hmm. Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon against a Cooper Rush-led Cowboys college offense. Like there, there are just a lot of studs at the top to pay up for again. I'm just taking a peek at the chat. I think we're getting trolled. Burkhead or CEH in season long. I I, I <laughs> I mean, is that, is that, I guess it's probably a real question, I guess, right? Is that a real question? Rich? I mean, listen, we're, we're just going to keep playing dudes that are on the Chiefs and not on the Texans. We're <laughs> <Okay. laughs> real simple about it. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of sort of where I'm at as well, too. Um, how, how concerned are we about Pierce, by the way? Uh, the Burkhead outplayed him. John, you probably have the stats with 70% of the snaps more, or it was 70% to 30 or something like that. And it seemed like Pierce has basically went away at the end of the game when it was close. It's, you know, it's a one-week thing, and you never really know. But you know, Pierce is the young guy, and Burkett's been around forever. He's got to be older than twenty-six, uh, I think. <laughs> well, we yeah, Burkhead ran twenty-five routes to Pierce's nine, and also was the down and distance back eleven third down snaps to Pierce's one. But we still have this Lovey Smith coach speak for whatever the hell that adds up to, and getting Pierce more touches. So. We'll see. You would imagine a player of his talent eventually overthrows Burkhead, but it's probably not this week, but we'll see. Just checking out his prices. 4-7 on DK, 5-6 on FanDuel Pierce, who just was a mega, mega bust uh, in week one in mm-hmm. Denver. Uh, not in know. a game that they were up 20 to three through three quarters. Like you would like, that was the layout. Like you got the run out that you needed for Damian uh-huh. Pierce chalk week or where, you know, and he didn't play. Rich, what do you got as far as like Renfro and Waller outside of like, yeah, you can play them? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Renfro is one of these guys that, you know, when you go back to it last year in his breakout season, you know, had really kind of, you know, cattywampa splits with Darren Waller in and out of the lineup. So then with them adding Devontae Adams, it was always kind of a concern. Well, how much just work is there, you know, Renfro going to get? And, you know, you see it's just one week, but, you know, three of six targets, 21 yards. Uh, not really sexy, but, you know, we did talk about Juju last week. I mean, Arizona just being a team that was, you know, Marco Wilson being one of the guys that was just really rough in defending the slot and, you know, Chiefs wideouts come out and have, you know, seven for 104 in the slot. Now, Devontae Adams also moonlighted, though, in the slot, too. They kind of moved him around, and he just, you know, soaked up all those targets because uh, Devontae Adams is still really good at football. You know, it doesn't matter that he's not playing with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he still is with a functional offense. Um, and then Waller was back still. I mean, Waller, you know, miraculously got a new agent and a new contract uh, and, and is down here, you know, running 30 yards down the seam and catching, you know, catching balls. I mean, he averaged 20 yards per catch in week one. Um, we saw what Travis Kelsey did to Isaiah Simmons last week. So, I mean, he's in play too as well. Rich, all things being equal, like forget, you know, uh, your lineups and ownership and all that kind of stuff and who you're pairing them with. Who, who do you want this week? Did you want Adams or do you want Cup as your top receiver? Oh, I would say Cup and maybe I'll save it for when we get there. Uh, 
I have cup actually in my official rankings, just, you know, he's, he, I have him one this week, which, you know, obviously I don't think you can go wrong with any of the top three guys, but all signals point this still being a massive cup week. And I'm curious to see how many people play Allen Robinson, take that bait at that price. So <laughs> I think, I think that's the, you know, we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, try not to overreact on stuff in week one. There's definitely a hook in the water on Allen Robinson. Uh, let's see who bites uh, it. <laughs> I, I'm just glad we don't have Justin Jefferson on the slate because I nearly had an aneurysm trying to sift through Adams and Jefferson last week. It was, it was very, very tough. You know, it's funny that we open, you know, Thursday night and Cup goes absolutely nuclear. He has the 15 targets and everyone is taking their initial victory lap because it's what we do on Island Games. And it's like, oh, all you idiots were taking Cooper or Cooper <laughs> Cup behind Justin Jefferson. Oh, what kind of analyst was this? And then Justin Jefferson comes out on Sunday and goes absolutely bonkers too. And it's just like, you know, this is what happens. You reap what you sell. Uh, you know, no one's an idiot, man. It's, it's, they, it's fantasy football. and They were all good. Like yep. the top five, the top five receivers, everyone lapped the top five receivers. Congratulations, big wide receiver, receiver one that? week. Like, hey, yeah. I told you that Jefferson's good, and I told you Cup's good. Like, <laughs> like that. These are known things, right? I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's more context to that. I imagine, but is that what get, get on Twitter more, Dean, and you will see <laughs> that people still still want to be right about a good player. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> and, and CMC did not combust. I was told like on first contact, CMC was not was good. Just, <laughs> Well, I would tell him he would just explode. He would his his, his like quad oh. would blow out, or I don't know. So he would he would pull something. He survived. He wasn't very good, but he didn't get CMC hurt. and Saquon still not hurt. Yeah, <laughs> but you know if they were, if they did get hurt. There would be victory. I I knew it. I knew that guy was mm-hmm. injury prone. Uh, John Rich got anything else as far as this game? Nah. We are moving on. Uh, third game of our three featured games, and then after that, again, we're going to run back. And give our favorite plays position by position players that are not in the three games that we're featuring. The Colts, Indianapolis, and Jacksonville. Uh, we're looking at a 45 and a half total. This was a late swap, too, Dagle. You must have saw something you like because you swapped the game out. You said, you know what? I really want to talk about Trevor Lawrence or somebody in this game. Uh, 45 and a half as far as the total. Colts on the road, three and a half point favorites. I will throw it to you, John. Who did you really want to talk about this game? Actually, I started researching the Texan side of that Broncos matchup, and I was like, oh, actually, I don't want to talk about this game. I got really I was I got actually re- wondering what you were going to do with that. <laughs> I got really excited when I researched the Broncos side, and then I got to the Texans. I was like, oh, no, actually, we don't want to, we don't want to touch this game. I'll talk, about, talk, Russell. About, I'll talk about Russell Wilson when we get to the positions, though. But uh, Trevor Lawrence, it's interesting because even though he was under pressure at the league's second highest rate and didn't perform too well in the box score with just over six yards per attempt, 57, uh, just over six and a half yards per attempt. Um, the Jaguars still average 6.2 yards per play. And we think this is a game where one, the Colts left yards and points on the board, but also played faster. Maybe, maybe we should have expected that since Ryan yelled about it throughout the off season, but still threw at the league's sixth highest rate uh, or still ran the sixth fastest pace in between plays. And so we expect them to pick the Jaguars up with them. And so, yeah, I think the Jaguars offense and this game in particular, the Colts, the eighth highest team total on the board right now, uh, I can definitely see myself playing some players from this game in particular. And again, it's better than the Broncos and Texans. Fair enough. (laughs) Rich, I I will yield to you wherever you want to go. If you want to talk about the, you want to talk about the Jags? You want to talk about the Colts? What's most interesting? Uh, first thing out the gate as far as this game? 
Yeah, I think the Jags are one of these teams early on in the season and we can take advantage because they're going to be more competent while still having as a, like a lot of issues, uh, which can make up for a lot of fun games like we had last week when they play Washington. Like Trevor Lawrence has better, like a better baseline group of wide receivers. And we've seen that even when he is bad and inaccurate, like the receivers are still going to be functional. They're like, this isn't LaVisca Chenault out there. And then Laquan Treadwell and uh, these other vagabonds, they're trotting out and throwing passes too. Like they're actually able to get production and Lawrence still made enough mistakes. I mean, he had two high school level touchdowns, uh, you know, one to Travis Etienne on a wheel route and one to Zay Jones in the end zone. Etienne returned the favor later when he just <laughs> swatted a ball down like a defender when he could have just caught it and walked in the end zone. But Lawrence is still pretty sketchy and, you know, we're going to need him to play a little bit better, but it looks like they're still at least going to be functional and be able to like put up some points and move the football a little bit better than they did last year when they were just dead in the water. Uh, remember there was like a 10 week span last year where like Lawrence didn't even throw a touchdown, uh, which was absolutely <laughs> bonkers. Um, but the defense still looks deplorable. I mean, obviously, when you see a guy like Carson Wentz just be happy the QB three on a week, your defense probably isn't that hot. Uh, so Matt Ryan, like Daigle said, like they were aggressive. They just didn't cash in drives and, you know, like Denver in week one, like they just didn't cash it in. I would bank on, you know, them being able to cash some of these, you know, uh, drives in. I know our buddy Dan Box probably listening to it and he knows he's probably saying, screaming his head. The Colts never play good in Jacksonville, and he's right. They're they're <laughs> one and seven on the road in Jacksonville since 2015. Zero and eight against the spread. Uh, the the Jags always play them tough. Obviously, you go back to last year; they they cost them that playoff spot. You know when they lose that game in Jacksonville. Uh, but yeah, this is a game I think that could be interesting as long as everyone's kind of healthy on the Colts side because the Jags look like they're going to be more competent. Like they're going to be like the AFC Lions, right? That's where they look a lot like. That's a good call. Yeah. Uh, they should be able to hang in games and they're going to yield a bunch of fantasy points as well. Um, of course, Taylor is a good spend, a good play. It's just a matter of lineup construction. Any takeaways you guys, uh, I'll ask you, John, takeaways as far as Etienne and the, you know, the usage and the snaps with him and the, and the trying to think of the other guys in the backfield, Robinson in the backfield there for, uh, for Jacksonville. Is it basically what we expected as far as uh, his usage? I didn't expect James Robinson to look like this. We expected him to poach early down carries, but he was dancing inside the 10-yard line too. Looked honestly at 90%, which again, not what I expected. Uh, but not only to out-carry ETN 11-4, but handle the team's only RB touches inside the 10-5 and five yard lines and run just seven fewer routes than ETN. We still saw ETN beat a third down back, but overall, this is practically Robinson's backfield. And you expect that uh, basically going forward? I know at the end I had the fumble, right? And maybe that was – I don't know if that was a casualty event as far as the usage or not. Going forward, at least for the near future, we're expecting Robinson to be lurking inside the five, inside the ten? I'm pretty sure Doug Peterson even mentions as much. He commented that uh, basically what they saw from Robinson is what they expected. And so I would think he just – continues earning a larger role i don't think i'll get there in this game since i'm basically banking on as rich said the colts moving the ball with yeah. ease and then jaguars firing back through the air and so i think it's more about playing christian kirk uh because the game didn't change for gus bradley despite leaving the raiders like he led the league with 60 percent of the raiders defensive snaps from cover three last year and the colts led the league in week one with 67 percent of their snaps from cover three and we know that kirk recorded a team high 68% of his targets with the Cardinals last year against zone coverage, and then pretty much picked up right where you left off with a team high eight 
of his 12 targets against zone coverage in week one. As Rich said, was also expected to burn the team's slot cornerbacks on the other side of the ball anyhow. So I think Kirk is a pretty easy run back stack here with the Colts offense. You agree with that, Rich? The top run back for Jacksonville, the obvious one, I guess, is probably Kirk. Is there anybody else you can make an argument for? Zay Jones, they paid him. Uh, Marvin Jones is still he's still in the league. Um, anything else to get excited about as far as uh, this Jacksonville offense, especially the receivers as runbacks? I mean, definitely Kirk. I mean, Zay Jones was there. I mean, he was with it. He had nine targets. He ran the same amount of routes as Christian Kirk. He had a, a free touchdown that Lawrence just missed him on. Uh, but yeah, I would absolutely just rather play play Kirk. I mean, we saw him get targeted heavily per route run in the preseason. He comes out, gets heavily targeted per route run in week one. Uh, you know, it's going to be a zone based defense. Yeah, it definitely seems to be the guy to kind of you know run it back here with with Pittman, and we'll see who's active. Uh, you know, as well in this game, and the Colts are coming in a little bit limpy. You saw Divorce Buckner popped up on the injury report. They probably are going to have Shaq Leonard still for one more week at least. Uh, Alec Pierce went into concussion protocol today, uh, which is insane because the hit that Alec Pierce took was absolutely devastating. It was one of those like, ooh, football hits. And like he went on concussion protocol today, not even in, during the game or afterwards. John, John, uh, John Taylor or uh, CMC, everything else being equal, who do you want? I mean, Taylor, I guess the fact he handled 91% of their running back carries shouldn't come as a shock. But to open the year with 35 touches, seven targets for a 14% target share, the second highest in the team behind Michael Pittman, and even out snap Hines on 10 to 5 on third down, like, good grief. Like, Taylor probably should maybe even be more expensive, like in the 10K. So I think this week it'd be Taylor for me. Yeah, they were down 20 to 3, and he's that was that was set up to be like a Naheem Hines special. Yeah, and right. It was all Jonathan Taylor, and it, he – he ran 12 more pass routes than Naheem Hines too. And, you know, he got to get a little peppering of targets. I mean, now the Colts aren't going to run, you know, 90 offensive plays though. Again, like, you know, just same thing when we talk about the Bengals, like the Bengals aren't going to run a hundred offensive plays Played five <laughs> again this week, uh, getting a full, because both those games got full overtimes. Uh, and that's the other thing too, is historically teams that travel after full overtimes have been like terrible, you know, against the spreads. They kind of no show the following week, which rolls into like, kind of like that. Oh boy. Like I said, you know, the, 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 the potential trap spot. So one thing to monitor, obviously you on paper, like you're not going to like run away from the Bengals or, or the Colts at all. And but based on their opponents, but just one thing to keep in mind. One o'clock game in Jacksonville. I, I thought you were ready to make a bold call. You're saying the Jags are going to win. Make DB man. happy, man. You know, tell him his Jags are going to win. Oh no, I can't, man. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying that I'm not going to bet on the Colts side either, though. Fair enough. It's a stay away. <laughs> yeah, which is almost kind of an endorsement of Jacksonville. It's, it's kind of an endorsement. It's just it's a stay away. <laughs> All right, got to run back, uh, give our favorite plays position by position. Before we do that, we do want to tell you all about Thrive, the sponsor of the show. Join in on the fantasy prop action this NFL season with Thrive Fantasy. It's an easy-to-play, no-salary-cap-style contest that revolves around over-under-style player props. Each prop has a fantasy score associated with the prop. The riskier the prop happens to be, the higher fantasy score you get. Uh, and vice versa, it's true as well. Like, if it's an easy one, if it's kind of a layup, it might only give you like 70 points. The more points, the higher you uh, you know you are in the standings. They had a, a big boy contest, and there was some overlay with that contest in week one as well. They uh, also have another big contest as well. I'm just pulling up the uh, 
right, $150,000 guaranteed, $30,000 up top, $25 to enter. We talked about this last week, Rich. Like, remember we were saying, like, the like the Zeke Elliott, and you get – if you bet under one and a half touchdowns, you get, like, 60 points. But 60 points is kind of worthless. Like, you got to run the table, basically. you got to go 10. There's different contests and different things you can do on the site, but I'm just kind of focusing on this main one. But uh, basically, they give you 20 props, and you got to pick. You got to take 10 sides on the 20 props. I know I sent them to you guys, and you know, I guess the 60 points are useful. Uh, but in theory, I don't think uh, game theory wise, like I'm going to even be attacking that. Like this week, we have David Montgomery. You can bet under one and a half touchdowns and get 55 fantasy points, mm-hmm. and or I guess that's helpful. I that's better than an L. But you kind of sort of like in these big contests, you kind of got to go 10 and 0, or, or or at least nine and one to to get yourself a nice cash. So I don't know. If that's something I'm looking at. Did you get a chance, uh, Rich, to kind of take a peek as far as some of these over-unders? Anything kind of jump out for you? I got one that I like, but I'll throw it to you first. Yeah, there's a few. I mean, obviously, it's not a Zeke Elliott one, but, you know, the the first, the very first one right off the page, Tom Brady, 275 and a half passing yards. Uh, the the under is 105. Uh, he's got he's played four games, uh, five games against the Saints as he's joined the Bucks, and he's thrown for over 239 yards just once. So like that's a pretty big gap. Uh, obviously the Bucks are all still kind of banged up. They they lost another offensive lineman last week in Donovan yeah. Smith, who looks like he probably won't play. Godwin's going to be out. Russell Gage, um, you know, still kind of coming back from that hamstring. Mike Evans is kind of dealing with something, whatever during the week. But like, yeah, I would say that that's a a pretty strong 105, like right off rip, right below it. You've got Alvin Kamara who pass blocked on a career high number of snaps last week, uh, 78 and 68 and a half rushing yards. He has rushed for two and a half yards per carry the past two years against the Buccaneers. Uh, he's dealing with a rib injury. I like that. We talked about Wentz two two passing touchdowns for Wentz. Give them to me. Well, what, how many points do you get for it? The hundred's like the break even point. It's even. It's one, the, it, the Wentz one is a hundred over a hundred under. It's one and a half touchdowns. Okay, it. yeah, I, I can get behind that one. Uh, John, did you, get, did you get a chance to take a peek at this and you have, have anything that stands out to you? Yeah, Rich took one of mine, but I'll piggyback off Brady and note that Mike Evans' last six matchups against Marshawn Lattimore, he hasn't gone over 50 yards, let alone 65 and a half. Uh, it was a different offense. Like Brady actually led the league in time from snap to throw, and so maybe that helps Evans get – fed targets and he gets there from yak but that's not something i'll bet on i'll gladly bet under mike evans and then um i will go under baker mayfield now this one's volatile i'm going to screw up our bet slip here (laughs) because aaron robinson is likely out their starting cornerback on the boundary is missing this one we don't know about olajari and Kayvon thibodeau just yet but we do know that Wink Martindale sent the most blitzes in the preseason. He sent the third highest blitz rate in week one. And Baker Mayfield had the 31st completion rate against the blitz last year. So they're going to send the house and maybe he dumps it off a lot to Christian McCaffrey and Gigi Moore. That's good enough. But I think it's still volatile. You're getting 130 points on it. So you're getting paid if he just doesn't throw an interception. So I like the upside there. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant to go uh, over. I'll go over the interception. I think he's going to throw a pick. Okay. I wasn't sure which way you're going with that. It sounded like you, were, you weren't <laughs> Apologies. swimmingly about him, but yeah, I mean, it's Mayfield and you get 70 points. He throws a pick and all right. It's uh, you kind of think he is, but the odds are also kind of saying he's going to throw. Yeah, it, well, it's like Matt Roll said, uh, maybe they average 7.7 yards per play in the last 35 minutes again. Maybe they hang the banner again. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Roll, man, we got to get this guy out of here, man. Like, <laughs> this guy. Hey, John, we don't talk. Uh, we don't talk a lot about you know receiver, quarterback, quarterback matchups. But you did mention it, and I've heard several people talk about it already. Is that a real one? The, the Mike Evans Lattimore thing is that real? 
Yeah, the, the last 10 times they've played, I think it's 10 games in a row, uh, Lattimore literally shadows him. They just stick him on there. It's like it's like how Rich mentioned um, Kyle Pitts last week. Like The NFC South is, is kind of just playing the same games over and over again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that one, the, the Evans thing is fun because it's like a true rivalry. Like Those yeah. dudes get at each other. They don't like it's each like, other. They're, it's fun. Like we used to have those a lot, like, you know, in the NFL, we don't have a lot of those anymore. And I guess because guys maybe change teams a little bit more and you just don't develop that. But Evans and Lattimore, uh, like they're, they're a true, like they, they dog it out with each other. I, I did think it was interesting. I was th- checking out the Derek Cardi's the blitz and uh, the Tampa New Orleans game is projected that the most plays for what it's worth, but it doesn't look like Brady is set up for success. Uh, and obviously the matchup's not good. Missing some pieces on the line, missing some receivers. I assume Godwin's not going to go. There was a lot of second guessing on that of him getting injured on the Sunday night game. Um, he's got Devonte Adams with I think eight and a half catches as his projection, and the number is six and a half. You know that just seems mm-hmm. a little bit too low. And I'm getting 95 points. It's basically a coin toss. So I'll take the over on Adams to get just get seven catches. You like that, John? I'll I'll bet on a 42% target share. That's just yeah. Fine. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how sustainable 42% is, but it's gonna, he's going to get his share, like for sure. That, that's a big boy number. All right. Uh, favorite plays as far as quarterbacks. Quarterbacks we've not talked about. Yes, we can't talk about Carson Wentz or Jared Goff or Matt Ryan. Who else do we not? Oh, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. Uh, yeah. Uh, John, some of your favorite quarterbacks on this slate. It's Trey Lance week. And we don't want to pay up for Kyler Murray, as we already talked about. So naturally, I think being contrarian leads me to want to pay up for Russell Wilson. And I don't think people will get there with him. And I don't think people will get there with his obvious double stack in Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Uh, unless we expect them to target running backs at the league's highest rate again, which I will not bank on. But after talking up, the one concern here is that after talking up pace of play throughout the offseason, Denver actually averaged the fourth most, the fourth longest time between plays in week one as a slow and methodical offense. But even then, the 16 points in the box score pretty much lies. It doesn't tell the entire story because the Broncos averaged 6.3 yards per play, averaged 45 mm-hmm. yards per drive, and reached the red zone on 50% of their possessions. They just couldn't punch it in due mostly to those two goal line fumbles, which is insane. It came on back-to-back possessions. But nonetheless, yeah, I think it's a it's a – Good place, a good spot to pay up for Russell Wilson and those two receivers tied each other with a 16.5% target share, seven targets piece, and Sutton and Judy. And I don't even know if I need to run it back with Brandon Cooks. I, I maybe just play Russell Wilson and hope that they just stick it to them in a bounce-back game. John, is it going to be hard, like basically the way it was with Metcalf and Lockett, is it the same deal with Sutton and Judy? Are we ever going to really know who is, I don't want to say clear and obvious, but like the preferable you know, you never, I, I always had an issue figuring out, which I never seem to get those guys right. And it was only one of them. Like, very rarely they both like crush. Just one guy would smash, the other guy would just sort of chill. Um, how do you figure out? I know it's just one week, obviously, between Sutton and Judy, where it's just 51 49 and take your chances. Well, Sutton was still the deep target guy. Sutton carried over his 19-yard depth of target as a downfield shot guy. Uh, I would have liked to see him start sooner since he was basically non-existent in the first half. And, of course, Jerry Judy relied on Yak, which is maybe how they're going to scheme Jerry Judy anyways. It'd probably be case-by-case as game-by-game as which excels more. But in this game, I think both can get there. Rich, some of your favorite quarterbacks? Yeah, that particularly is interesting because no team had a lower wide receiver target share than Denver did in Mm -hmm. week one, even lower than the the Packers. But 
all of the targets went to just those two guys. They had 15 total wide receiver targets and 14 went to Judy and Sutton, seven apiece. They each had the same number of catches. And I was just looking at that the whole time, like, this is the same exact shit we dealt with in Seattle. Like, <laughs> like I was thinking, like, the whole time, I'm just like, this is the same. This is the exact same thing. Like, man, who's going to score the damn touchdown this week? And, like, I feel like I'm just so ready to get this wrong every week. But, yeah, the fact that they they had such a high target share, like, I was just thinking, I was like, this is the same exact shit, man. Like, damn it. Uh, but it Dangle hit it all in the head. Like, yeah, like, Russell is another guy who had a lot more points last week. Uh, remember, this main slate, we don't have Justin Herbert. We don't have Patrick Mahomes. We don't yeah. have Josh Allen. We don't have Jalen Hurts. We don't even have Kirk Cousins. Uh, it's 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 thin at the top. I mean, Lamar is the most expensive quarterback, and like that's a game that is looking like an under city uh, mm-hmm. for sure with the way Miami played in Week One too, and the way Baltimore played. Like Miami is was really they were one of the slowest pace. They were the slowest pace offense in Week One. Tua didn't really play particularly well. Lamar hit big plays, but was completely inefficient. Uh, so, I mean, are you going to pay up for Lamar Jackson? We talked about Kyler. Uh, that's why Derek Carr stands out to me so much this week. Like he's kind of like that tweener price. And then we're going to have to monitor some things, but like, what are people going to do with Trey Lance? Um, because this is a spot where you have the 49ers with a bit, with a, not a big rest advantage, but a rest advantage, uh, over Seattle, who was the defense that we thought they would be like they laid out all those stats right like the seattle was that defense they just had fluky things kind of swing their direction where they didn't give up touchdowns uh how much does the monsoon kind of like factor in and like people just downright are out on lance too so like does he kind of have some variance in terms of roster ship this week where like people maybe now have to see it to go back to him uh so i mean it's a very interesting i'm very curious in that game how kyle shanahan handles things does he treat this environment as a spot to get lance right and allow him to be aggressive or does he try to hide him and feel like he needs to hide him because this is gonna be a big reveal week i think for what kyle shanahan how he really feels about trey lance this weekend it is go ahead no i was gonna say so i've been under the assumption he will gather ownership but you make a good point. And if that's the case, like I do want to play Lance. The only reason I wasn't going to, because everyone else is going to play Lance. So if that isn't the case, we have to monitor it. Like you said, then sure. I'm interested because it's, it is very volatile. Uh, I'll be very interested to see. And it is funny that everyone keeps pointing out. Everyone only notes the monsoon for Lance when honestly, Justin Fields was just fine. in the monsoon now, Justin Fields only scrambles around and throws deep. Literally all he does for his entire career, but Justin Fields was still just fine in the same weather. The thing you're worried about is the is not the not so the giving Lance a hall pass for the fourth quarter when that game like you couldn't really even see what right. was going on. <laughs> it was the first half when he was only six of ten and they had an eighteen to eleven you know run to pass split. Like we can't have the 49ers come out and do that, right? Like just say, hey, we're home favorites on a short week. Uh, you know, we're going to be able to handle business and we're just going to run the football all game. Like kind of like what the Eagles did towards the end of last season. Like we don't want that offense, but I also believe that like the 49ers are in a spot here where like they can use this as a spot to get Lance going, like get mm-hmm. confidence, right? Like have him, you don't think he's hearing the same stuff we're that, like we hear, like there's no way into like every talk show has probably talked about, you know, when is Garoppolo going to play? You don't think he's looking over his shoulder? Like this is a spot. I, this is why I'm curious to see how Shanahan himself handles this game. 
Because this is going to be a big tell for me on what he really thinks. Because this is a spot in this matchup where the 49ers, even if they don't have George Kittle, should be able to come out and play aggressively with Lance. And I'm really curious to see if they will. That is exactly the point I was going to make. Uh, it makes a ton of sense because, like, they, they, how much do they care? They want to shut the noise up of Garoppolo and all this. You know, they lost in week one against the Bears, one of the worst teams in the league, we think. Um, and obviously the, the, the field was a mess and whatever, that neutralizes stuff. But Or are they just going to, like, you know, get a comfortable lead and just let them hand the ball off and throw the ball 17 times and whatever? Uh, by the way, you want the Wednesday night ownership stuff, John? You referenced it a couple of times. It's more sure. of a DK thing than a FanDuel thing. Yeah, uh, look, looking at the prices, like Lance is seven five on Fanduel, which is basically the same as most other guys. But you're getting a massive discount on DK, which is why he's going to be popping, right? Five point seven k over there. But um, and typically quarterback ownership doesn't get too high, too crazy. And this is Wednesday night, grain of salt. Number one as far as ownership is Stafford at nine percent, six point three k. Carr at nine percent, six point two k. And then Lance at 8%, 5.7K, right. for what it's worth. Interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's talk about running backs. Rich, you can set the floor as far as your uh, – the floor. Set the, t- the floor is yours. You can set the table. Let's do it that way. Sure, why not? Uh, your favorite running backs. I mean, Saquon, he was a favorite coming in all <laughs> offseason. Uh, you know, I'm just going to swerve into the confirmation bias. Uh, looked yeah. like the looked like you know Bo Jackson out there last week, man. Like looked like he was a different athlete than some of the like the other guys playing on the field. Uh, what I really like about Saquon in particular is what Brian Dayball did uh, for him. You know, the Giants used eleven personnel on eighty five percent of their running plays last week. It was the third highest rate in the league. And what that does is give you light boxes. Saquon had 11 carries against six or fewer defenders in the box. That was second in the NFL behind Jonathan Taylor. Uh, He had 155 of his rushing yards on those carries. Uh, Carolina gave up a ton of explosive runs to Browns running backs last week. And the other thing with Saquon is he comes with the insulation that he's the best receiver on the team now because they can't figure out what they're doing uh, outside of Richie James leading their receiving unit in routes and targets. I mean, he led all running backs with 37% of the team targets. You're in a pass route on 75% of the dropbacks. That was third among all running backs. So you have that insulation. Um, I have my Roto Grinder sub. I can look at the Roto Grinders projections, and he basically has the same floor and ceiling projection as Christian McCaffrey, and he's 1.6K cheaper than Christian McCaffrey is. Uh, to me, that's a no-brainer. I'll take my one, 1.6 in the pocket, uh, even though people see, maybe treat it like it's point chasing and you're buying low on the dip on Christian McCaffrey, uh, but I'll go put that salary to somewhere else because, I mean, Saquon is the Giants offense. 7.3K on DK. Uh, like again, he was one of the cheapest guys in week one. Fandle gave him a pretty big boost, actually, up to 80. He should have. On Fandle. Yeah, rightfully so. Uh, by the way, you look as far as our. He's our a home league. favorite, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as Fizzle would say, he's checking all the boxes this week for sure against Carolina. Um, Henderson. Henderson, I want to talk about the Rams. John, feel free to add as far as Barkley, but I think that one's a pretty clear, uh, a pretty clear play. Henderson separated himself from Akers in week one. Uh, is that what we're going to anticipate going forward? If that is the case, he's severely underpriced in a matchup where they should, you know, uh, thrash Atlanta pretty good. Uh, Ten point favorites there in a dome. Uh, your take as far as Henderson, if you want to chime in on Barkley, by all means. Uh, talk about Javante Adams and the 17 receptions or whatever it was. Who else is interesting as far as running backs? Uh, interesting outside of the Rams running backs. I think 
Leonard Fournette, and maybe it was strictly a Falcons offense that threw the Saints defense off. Saints defense only allowed 100 total rushing yards, over 100 total rushing yards in five games last year. And the Falcons, as we know, still led the league in pistol formation. So it's a completely different offense. But Cordero Patterson's still to get over 120 rushing yards. And now we have Fournette coming in with his last six games, including week one, the last five games where he was injured last year, has handled at least 74% of the team's running back carries in every single game. Uh, Rashad White, five of his six touches didn't come until the fourth quarter when the Bucks were just nursing a 19-3 lead. 19-3 doesn't explain how much of a blowout that game was. And so, like, it is strictly Leonard Fournette's backfield. All the pass-catching work over Rashad White as well. And so, I'm just fine leaning on Rashad uh, Leonard Fournette as an overlooked workhorse. My only concern with Daryl Henderson is that he is cheap, but you could argue 5,700 isn't like a free square, even though we don't expect Cam Akers to be involved. We still expect Daryl Henderson to see his 18 touches and majority of the team's backfield touches. But we also don't want part of this offensive line. Like, it's not Daryl Henderson's fault. He averaged three and a half yards per carry. Like, this offensive line is miserable. And so I still somewhat worry um, unless, of course, you're doing it strictly as a pivot off of Cooper Cup or Allen Robinson. Uh, anything else of note? Uh, are we cons- oh, who's, somebody said they had a, a thought as far as uh, Jones, Aaron Jones. Who did Aaron Jones Green Bay take? Somebody teased it earlier. I thought well, so. Well, they're on uh, Sunday night football this week. Oh, okay. That's why it's not on my list. Go, you feel yeah. free to finish the thought, but my bad. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I think Daryl Henderson at his pricing is – is interesting because, like, I would say, I mean, I, I probably just outright like Josh Jacobs more, and he's <laughs> the same price on both sides. Uh, like Daigle said, I mean, we go back to this isn't just a new thing for the Rams. The Rams were awful running the football last year. They were 31st in the NFL in EPA rushing in 2021. They ha- they lose two offensive linemen in the offseason. Andrew Whitworth retires. They lose Austin Corbett in free agency. In week one, their center, Brian Allen, was injured. He will not play in this game. So it's just a really like poor run out and the Rams, you know, still don't really throw to their running backs a lot. Although Henderson did have five catches. He didn't do anything with them, but you'll take the five catches on DK, even Mm -hmm. if they, if they don't come with anything, you'll still take those. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, how will they bring Cam Akers back in? I don't know. It feels like a, it feels like a weird spot. Uh, Like I said, I feel a little bit more safer uh, with Jacobs in the situation he's in, but I mean, I've played worse dudes than Daryl Henderson. (laughs) Uh, any reason for panic early here, Rich, as far as uh, Kamara? Uh, I think a little. Uh, obviously, you know, he's when you go back to last year when they acquired Mark Ingram, his usage kind of waned a little bit. The Saints just have better players on offense now than they did a year ago. So maybe they don't need to get him involved so much. He blocked a lot. It was really weird. The Saints are a team like they got there in the end. But for three quarters, I was wondering what the hell they were doing. Like, and it's, it's only week one and it's only one quarter of week one and three quarters of week one. But like, I have a hard time like shaking like the first three quarters of that game. Like you needed like a hot run out against the Falcons to get there. Uh, like when you're playing a team like Tampa Bay, like how much am I expecting? Like your how good am I expecting your offense to look? Uh, you know, he's got the rib injury. Big picture, probably not so much, but short term, like it, I don't really get great feelings right now. They have Chris Olave, who was basically a deep threat at Ohio State, and yet they turned Jarvis Landry into Cortland Sutton instead. It was very, very odd. 
Normally they did nothing. Jameis, Jameis through three quarters of that game had two passing first downs. Yep. <laughs> like it was, it was rough. It was just a bad offense and they get there at the end. So, I mean, I don't know what to really stock. If it was like them waking up, was it just the game script? Like there it's, it was, I need to see the saints offense kind of congeal a little more before I start to like really get a really good pulse for what's going on there. And the offensive line was bad. And that was one of the big bugaboos last year. Uh, Cause the Falcons were dead last in the NFL and pressure rate a year ago. They don't really add like any really significant pieces to that portion of the defense. And they were all, they lived in the backfield last week. And so like, that's kind of problematic too in, in a short term. This one game, I like the talent and the pieces there. We'll see what kind of happens, you know, with Pete Carmichael. The weird thing is Pete Carmichael is familiar with Alvin Carr. He knows what he's good at. And it was a really weird usage of a player. Uh, it was like when we watched the Cowboys on Sunday night, like, did Kellen Moore ever watch Tony Pollard play football? Like, <laughs> what the hell was going on? Like, I don't, oh, man. Like, there was a lot, there were some weird, weird things that happened in week one. So we'll see, like, if they become trends or not. How bad are the Cowboys looking the next two months or so? Like, how much does, uh, you know, Rush taking the place of, of Dak? Look how bad they looked with Dak. Yeah, that's the that's the other part. Is something was wrong. Before. Something was wrong with Dak. I don't know if it was that ankle injury he had in camp, but like even he couldn't put zip on the ball. Uh, Cooper Rush came in and it was was immediately pressured on thirty five percent of his dropbacks. Like everyone looks at last year's start against Minnesota when he had three hundred twenty yards oh, and multiple yeah. touchdowns, but like that was a first string offensive line with Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup. This is Dennis Houston. Uh, Noah Brown and C.D. Lamb, who they can't even get accurate targets to, with Zeke Elliott, who looked good, but it doesn't matter because Zeke Elliott doesn't score you touchdowns. Like this is literally a college offense right now. Yeah, they look. Uh, I mean, again, you don't want to freak out over one week, but if you have a season long and you have C.D. Lamb as like one of your like like a late first round or early second, I guess he went early second, I suppose. You're not feeling very good, right, John? You're not feeling good, no. Yeah, it's not his fault. Like you know, summoning a uh, Robin Williams from Google Hunting. It's not your fault, CD, but that's that's just a situation you know where uh, you're just uh, dealt with. Michael, Michael Parsons look good. I'll say that he, he's still a yeah. Michael Parsons still good. I mean, the defense kind of was still all right. Like the yeah. defense was the defense showed up a little bit. That's they why played. I want. That's why I wonder about the Bucks offense because I wonder if they catered to the Cowboys pass rush or because of their own offensive line problems. Is that the new Bucks offense? Because I can see both happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have to do really anything once they kind of got in, got in control. Leonard Fournette ran the ball to the left side of the line 17 times. Like, they literally just ran at Trevon Diggs all night long, and they couldn't stop it. John, what do you got for me as far as uh, the running back breakdown for Denver, Williams, and Gordon? 10-point uh, favorites here against Houston. If we're seeing Denver up by 10 in the fourth quarter, who, who do we expect? Who's going to be hammering this game? Uh, who's going to be closing it out? I mean, I wouldn't think Williams is going to catch 13 passes again, but you know, everybody's kind of expecting him to take the leap over, you know, over Gordon. Uh, didn't necessarily happen last year, but what, what do you have as far as Williams or Gordon? What, what was the breakdown last week? Well, he did, he did run around on 61% of dropbacks, so they can certainly use him as their receiving back. But yes, uh, it's kind of a question we're asking post week one in that is this this offense? Is this Nathaniel Hackett's offense? And again, I don't think so. That's why I'm higher on the receivers and Russell Wilson, thinking that's where the targets get concerted to. Like Rich mentioned with Terry McLaurin, like taking away from either Curtis Samuel or Gibson Weekly. On DK, though, it's a different conversation because not that we're in tight ends yet. I don't want to skip over wide receivers, but uh, but DK Albert owes 3,700. So like he makes sense as a stacking option there at least too. But I don't, 
personally think that's how they want to run their offense. And so uh, I would not go back to Javante Williams myself. Interesting. Alberto, currently the highest projected own player on DK for salary cap reasons, mm-hmm. three, seven, about 15, 16%. Let's jump the receivers. Johnson, you know, feel free to get us started. What receivers are worth talking about? It's hard for me to kind of find some cheap options here, in particular on FanDuel. But I will say, as everyone talks about Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup, whether we play Trey Lance or not, I think Debo Samuel is in a, a pretty sweet spot. Um, we knew it was an ambiguous target tree to begin with now that we have Trey Lance under center. And so that's why everyone was pinning targets to Brandon Ayuk maybe to lead the team in receiving. Maybe George Kittle, who looks like right now at least, it's, it's early on Wednesday, but will like could be out again since he missed Wednesday practice. But instead we got eight carries still as a wide back for Devo Samuel, and more importantly, eight targets. And remember, over the second half of the season when he was a wide back, he averaged less than five targets per game. So now he's getting everything. And like maybe the answer isn't just Jeff Wilson inside the 10-yard line or, or just outside the red zone too. Maybe it is just Debo Samuel as more of a running back still seeing a majority of these targets. It's certainly possible if Kittle's still out. And so I want to continue chasing that share, whether I, even though I don't think like the, the rushing touchdowns can sustain, but this usage is just totally different as long as George Kittle is still out. Rich, feel free to add on or add some new players to the conversation. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think one of the guys that I'll be kind of really honed in on, and we'll see, I think he's going to get pretty popular as the week goes on, but DJ Moore, uh, for sure. So the Giants are just a team, like, I came into this season, like, I'm going to target the Giants defense a lot this this year, uh, you know, and I, I kind of wrote up Tannehill, like, Dale brought up on the show last weekend, uh, you know, as, as being a guy that could get you there, because this Giants defense, they're, they're good, they've got a good front seven, but with Wink Martindale and their secondary, like it's what like the Ravens had to close last year. Like they're going to bring a lot of pressure and put a lot of these subpar talent in their secondary on an island. And we kind of saw that in week one. I mean, Tennessee wide receivers averaged nine yards per target. They averaged 14.1 yards per catch. Uh, it was still there for them. So, I mean, I still wanted to attack, you know, this defense. And I know that it's a, with Baker Mayfield and maybe it's time to be like super popular, but <laughs> this is kind of one of those flop lag guys, right? Like DJ Moore only had six targets last week. Uh, there's, I'll, I'll definitely say that more weeks than not this season, he's going to out target Robbie Anderson. So, and, and the giants lost Aaron Robinson, like one of their like mediocre to bad players and not just mm-hmm. outright bad players uh, <laughs> on the back end. So yeah, Deniston Moore jr. Is a guy that I'm probably going to be honed in on, you know, early in the week until like we see if he gets steamed up too far. I'll be curious to see his ownership. If we get Tyler Boyd, cause I wonder if T Higgins mm-hmm. gets ruled out how much he soaks up in that, high 5k 6k range since that's where dg moore is kind of living right now rich you're talking about like hurts running bad last week um you know for the Bengals, jamar chase like left like four touchdowns on the field or something like to be that. fair though like in the space time continuum if zach Aller, if zach taylor challenges the first one the other yeah. plays don't happen so like <laughs> and to be fair after the one-handed with the, the near one-handed one he scored still after that so like though like I mean, I get that, like, when you count the yeah. individual individual plays, but, like, those three almost touchdowns were really still one touchdown. 
you just went all gray sports almanac busting out the 1.21 gigawatts i appreciate it though you're right you make a you know I've, i watch a lot of rick and morty so i've been doing you know you know so like we we're, we're trying to you know factor in like the, the multiverse here and you know different kind of you know uh you know the time time and uh where everything's happened like if he catches if Zach killer just challenges the first one out the Bengals probably win the game in regulation yeah and nothing happens nothing happens after that yeah my survivor teams would have appreciated that um but uh Man, oh, I went over across the board. I don't know if you guys did the Survivor Leagues at all. I was in a winner's league and a loser's league. I lost the ball. I'm yeah, out. I'm in a loser's one, and uh, I just took the Cardinals. I just burned my Cardinals one week one. That's the smart move. Just like I, I don't like playing teams on the road week one, but, like, yeah, that was like – and then, like, now you, this week you got several teams, like 10-point favorites, and you can coast again theoretically. And like you get to play, I'm just now I'm on the sidelines. I'm itching. I, I need I need to find a new league. Send me a DM, somebody. <laughs> There's a new league firing. Like people, you know, those are fun because typically most people get bounced early and they just start a new one. Yeah, I, I'm available. I'm willing to play. Uh, anybody else as far as receiver? You know, you, you mentioned uh, that, that Miami Baltimore game, and that's another one on Cardi. Uh, he's got the slowest, like the least amount yep. of plays in that game. That game's like, gonna certainly... be a nightmare. Yeah, but like Hill <laughs> needs one play, maybe two, right? You know, um, I just I think it's interesting. Uh, and I don't know for tournaments. I know it's just kind of a cop out. We saw uh, can't guard Mike. Mike Thomas came back with what two touchdowns last week. Good for him. He's still pretty cheap, too. Uh, did he impress you enough, Ritz, to throw him in the pool there against Tampa? Uh, maybe that's another game I expect to be low scoring, like we've hinted at a few times. And like I said, the Saints. The fact that they just needed that pure run out in the fourth quarter still gives me – like Michael Thomas had one catch through three quarters. Yeah. Uh, so, like, like what Saints are the real Saints? And I still have a hard time. I don't have a problem with it. Like, I'm not if they, like I'm not here to talk anyone out of playing Michael Thomas. I get to see early on, like, he's not, like, a priority right now for, like, what I'm looking at. But things could change the next few days. I would say, like, like that Ram situation we didn't talk about a little bit because, you know, obviously Cooper Cup's really expensive on this slate. Um, there are ways to get to him. Uh, you know, Cooper Cup now has 15 or more PPR points in 18 straight games played. Uh, it's too shy of the record for a non-quarterback. Uh, Emmett Smith did it in his career. Um, and he's going against this Atlanta team that's still like where you want to attack them is in the inside. I mean, A.J. Terrell gave up those two touchdowns, but like him and Casey Hayward are still the two best parts of that defense. That's where Allen Robinson's still going to be. I mean, they allowed nine catches for 110 yards to Saints wide receivers in the slot. And if and if the Stafford elbow thing is real, and, you know, we'll see if it gets any better. But for one week, it was real. And if the elbow is going to be a thing that, they, that applies maintenance and is a problem throughout the year, who's the only guy that's going to survive that? It's the slot receiver. It's not going to be the perimeter wide. It's not going to be the perimeter plays and the guys that run, you know, deeper routes, these deep crossers and stuff. Like it's going to be Cooper Cup. Uh, you know, let's not find more reasons to talk ourselves out of Cooper Cup. Basically, is the is what I'm saying. But I that that price that both sides dropped on Allen Robinson feels like a trap. What do you have? <laughs> what do you have the the ownership report at right now? Early on a Wednesday, Dean, between Cup and Cup Adams and Allen Robinson, because that's kind of the game we're playing here. Since if you're spending up for one, you do have a choice between Cup and Adams. All right, you're saying Cup Adams and Robinson? Yes, yeah, since Robinson is well, since Cup is the pivot off Robinson, assuming Robinson gets steamed at a lower salary, and then people also have the decision with so many running backs on the board to pay up for one receiver between Cup and Adams? Well, on FanDuel, he probably gets more than DK. 
uh, because yes. it's more touchdown based and they dropped him to like five, seven, like, whereas DK he's five, five, but like, there's a bunch of surrounding guys like a, around five, five. So, and you already mentioned DJ Moore as one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a helpful answer for you on DraftKings. We have cup Adams and Robinson all at 12%. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like give or take a few percentage points yeah, but yeah that, that's it's wednesday right. it's okay yeah so uh the, the, maybe they're hedging a little bit too i have no idea and obviously the more we get the closer we the lock the more we find this stuff i mean there is no way you can get me to play Allen robinson over dj Moore. there's just absolutely no way and you got a ready-made run back too with Moore and barkley i know barkley's gonna be popular obviously but like if you want to run back with barkley Moore seems to be the clear and obvious guy as well if you want to chase robinson i get robbie anderson i guess you can but I'm with you. I'm much more likely to just play more and bet on a, as a, I'm not betting on another 70 yard touchdown for Robbie Anderson. I suppose it's possible. It seems unlikely for me. And I was also victory lapping. I'm just going to wait and see what Mike Thomas does. And then he scores two touchdowns in the second half. I think it was, I think it was, yeah, he wasn't both, doing much. And then I don't know where it's again, yeah, both on, both on AJ Terrell too. Yeah. I'm told he was really, I mean, my understanding, I'm not a Nexus and O's like best corners in the league, but I'm told he's really, really good. I mean, it's not like he got like shadow realmed or anything. Like they threw a jump ball and he caught it. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to ask John as far as receivers. You want to talk some tight ends? I know you kind of uh, you talked about Albert O. Uh, Kyle Pitts. I'm told he's supposed to be good, and everybody expecting that big. Just, just 18 weeks of having the same Kyle Pitts conversation. Let's do it for 19. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I I don't. Yeah, I I I got the matchup last week being kind of tough, and maybe. I don't know what the matchup was like versus the Rams. I feel like that's a tough one as well. Do you happen to have that, Rich? Is there a reason for concern for, for Pitts? I mean, the, the concern with Kyle Pitts is that Arthur Smith has no clue how to get him, like, in any advantageous situation. Mm-hmm. And this is 17 out of 18 games he's played because in one game in London they figured it out. Uh, <laughs> and the Jets – actually, the Jets guarded him with a defensive end, and that's how he scored his one touchdown. Uh, that That's Kyle Pitts' one touchdown in his career is a defensive end was guarding him. But we see something that happens with Justin Jefferson, right, like on Sunday. And this is – we talk about rational coaching, and, like, it's so hard to bank on. Justin Jefferson is literally catching passes where, like, there's not even a guy on the TV screen. He put a move on a ghost defender. He thought he had to juke someone, and there was no one within 15 yards of him. Uh, that's what coaching does, rational coaching. We see it with Cooper Cup. You see it with Kevin O'Connell. Arthur Smith continuously gets Kyle Pitts in situations where he's guarded by, like, elite defensive backs. It happened again last week. Marshawn Lattimore was on Kyle Pitts the entire game and boxed him. It's, it's, it's continuously week in and week out. So is he going to be running routes against guys like, you know, Jalen Ramsey in the star position or like getting routes on Bobby Wagner? Like how, how can we put any faith in Arthur Smith scheming this guy in advantageous spots when he literally hasn't done it? He hasn't done it for now. We have a, we have a running sample of this shit happening. Like, it's this. We have the same conversation. Look at the routes Kyle Pitts ran. Look at his target share. Look at his ADOT. Cool. Where are my fantasy points? Where are my fantasy points? <laughs> and he's really cheap this week, by the way. And also, no Kelsey. You kind of ran down a lot of the players that are not going to be on the main slate. No Goddard as well. Tight end just much thinner. It's only Andrews. Like, it's really only Andrews to pay up. And if you don't pay up for Andrews, that's what. I, that's why I make the Russell Wilson argument game theory-wise, because if we are if we have no issues fading Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, like, there's only one other quarterback to pay up for. Otherwise, you're paying down. And we talked about the guys to pay down for. Uh, at tight end, like, that's the same thing pretty much. We're sure you can probably pay up for Darren Waller if you think 
and, yeah. and bring them along with Carr. But also, like you said, right now you have Derek Carr as the second high, highest rostered quarterback. Uh, I don't know who will bring along Carr with them, but it's logical. And then you could play Cup instead. So already you can see how that's chalky. Mm-hmm. The, the only other thing is I think on DraftKings – everyone's going to pay down for Jawan Johnson logically, right? Like by now it's probably caught steam that he's the one, not Taysom Hill who ran 33 routes on James Winston's 42 dropbacks. And so at, at the yeah. stone minimum, like that's the player you play and thus you can then spend up for all these expensive top tier players. 2.5 K you got all those stone minimum plays. I did. I did have one lineup with likely last week who I believe at zero, right? You put up a zero. Uh, he did drop a pass. I saw him. He was just targeted once. Uh, a lot of hype yeah. in the preseason on Isaiah Likely. But listen, you need the tight end whisperer, Tyler Huntley, in the game. <laughs> yes. Man, on Fandle, too, um, I could maybe play Tyler Higby. He's, he's somewhat touchdown or bust, but we saw last year after his career high in routes per drop or routes on Stafford's drop back his first year with Gerald Everett. He basically just got out there again for the same thing, uh, a route on 92% of dropbacks. Also, no Van Jefferson for this game as well. So pretty much in the same position that allowed him to have um, – yeah, uh, yeah. It, I think it's a good spot for, for Higby on FanDuel in particular. 5.3K, pretty good price. Yeah, do you have a favorite tight end, John, or it's, again – Obviously, if you have all the salary in the world, I think you go Andrews. You consider Waller maybe, but mm-hmm. maybe this isn't the spot to save salary as we're talking about. Maybe I mean, it's a spend all the way up. Maybe it's not the best money spent, and you know, maybe the opportunity cost won't be very high at tight end. It typically, a lot of times it isn't, especially when Kelsey's not on the slate. So all things considered, your favorite tight end on a Wednesday night? Uh, Josh Gillum also helped me out. 11 targets, that's the number I was looking for. A 26% target share for Tyler Higby as I stumbled there at the end. Um, No favorite, honestly, because I don't think I'm playing Andrews. And so right now on Wednesday, I'm still kind of teetering about what to do at tight end. At least last week, I had more confidence in the players I was either spending up or down for, knowing I wanted to get to Kelsey or go all the way down to Mo Alley Cox and some other cheap options. This week, I think it's genuinely across the board. Like, I have no idea just yet. Yeah, Rich, the thing is, if you decide I don't want Pitts and I see in chat, and I haven't acknowledged the chat in a while, my bad. We appreciate y'all watching us live here on the old YouTube. Hopefully you're hitting that like button. You're subscribing and getting to you know, lock it in so you know when all our shows are going down. Obviously, we take you guys up the lock on Sunday mornings, shows all throughout the week, showdown slate content, all the good stuff. Uh, in chat, they're talking about, I want no part. I, I, I have no interest in playing uh, me some pits. Well, okay, let's say we say that, Rich. You can't just submit a lineup without a tight end. None of the <laughs> options are great. So you can't just say, I don't want that guy. You got to pick somebody too. Who are we picking? Yeah, I mean, I mean, this, the Pitts thing's literally the definition of insanity. Uh, like, you know, and I get it. It's, I talked about this last week, too, when everyone yeah. was going to play him. Uh, I mean, on FanDuel or our DraftKings, Kyle Pitts is 5.4. Okay. Darren Waller's 5.6. To me, there is yeah. absolutely, it's no brainer. I'm going to play Darren Waller, especially at half the ownership. Like, they're like, absolutely against the Rams. Like, what's the Falcons team total right now? It's got to be like 17 points. Like, I wrote it down pre-show. It is like, 18. Yeah. And you're yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely gonna play Darren Waller. Now, Darren Waller, I think, is over a grand more on FanDuel. So like maybe there's a little gap there, but he's also, I think, a grand cheaper than Andrews. Or like there's a gap. So like maybe he gets overlooked because if you're just gonna have salary, you pay up for Andrews. I think Waller is just in a better spot than Andrews this weekend. Mm-hmm. 
an outright better spot. Game situation, everything is just better. So, I mean, I like him a lot more if you're going to pay up. Uh, I think on FanDuel, because Daigle hit like the DraftKings guys. Like you're going to play Alberto if you're punting down. You can even go all the way down to Juwan Johnson for 2.5 and just hope you run into a big play, right? Uh, <laughs> on FanDuel, I still am willing to go back to, I think, David and Joku at 4-9. Uh, you know, it was a terrible spot for him last week. I, I wrote it up in the worksheet that I was off on him. Uh, it was a, it was a terrible match against Carolina. They bodied tight ends last year. They've got really athletic linebackers and safeties, uh, but he's going to be going against the Jets this week or the inverse. Uh, you know, they got really good boundary cornerback play and their safety play isn't good. So, I mean, I am willing to kind of go back there because on FanDuel, I don't care about catches. Like, just please for the love of God, someone catch a touchdown. Uh, and at 4.9, I think that there's worth squeezing, you know, on him there. Uh, but I'm probably going to play Waller, you know, and then, yeah, that, I'm really just focused on Waller right now. I mean, I, I got nothing else right now for you guys on tight ends. They're all terrible. It's an, it's an ugly slate. It's an ugly <laughs> yeah. tight end slate. I'm trying to reach for like another take, but like I got that's, nothing. That's I, why Tyler Higby stumped me, Rich, because like Ooh. I was like the only other one I had. <laughs> and it seems yeah. highly unlikely that Kittle's going to come back. I don't believe he practiced on a Wednesday. And like, it seems like, you know, he's got a groin and let, let's give him a, it's, you know, it's Seattle with 10 point favorites. It, it's not happening. Right. Kittle's not, I don't think he's officially ruled out. I don't think so. But you're right, not going right? to play him if he plays. Okay. If, well, I guess that's, yeah, fair enough. I, I guess not like theoretically, but yeah, I'm just we, just, I mean, we ran through that 49er situation. Like the, the, just the amount of variance, like that could happen in that game. And for a guy like George Kittle, who is inherently variant on his own self mm -hmm. and is going to be playing potentially limited or hurt, like. You don't get any fantasy points for pancakes, I don't think. He's a good blocker, I hear, but that doesn't that doesn't do us any good, unfortunately. Uh, that's going to do it. And that's, gonna, that's the show. We appreciate you all tuning in again in the chat or not in the chat. If you guys are watching on YouTube, I, I promised before one week free of Rotor Riders Premium in the comment section, not in the chat comment section, but the comment section on the video. Give me the hottest take, the hottest, most accurate take. Include like your Twitter handle or some way for me to contact. If you happen to make it, I want to be able to tell you and let you know, hook you up with some RG premium. Um, you know, Rich, everybody knows who you are. Everybody knows everybody follows you on Twitter. Lord Reeves, you got that Zach Morris avatar. But just in case, uh, tell them where they can find you on Twitter, on all the things where they can find you at Sharp Football Analysis. Well, there you go. You know, I just did it for you, but go ahead. Tell the people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did a great job, Matt. Lord Reeves on Twitter, Sharp Football Analysis. Uh the weekly worksheet uh, is where I'm breaking down kind of all of these games with intense write-ups. If you don't have a sub, I also put out two games for free every week as well, where we talk about like a, a lot of this, you know, nitty gritty type things that we bring up on the show. John, the same deal. And if you want to close, you want to finish strong. You, you have a hot take. You got the, your favorite stack, something that's going to win the millions this week. Feel free to give it to the people or just keep it for yourself either way. But uh, also let them know where they can find you around, uh, around all the things. My hot take is that we're going to go an hour and a half for the people every single week for the rest of the year. Also, you can find me at 444.com. You can use the promo code Daigle10. The first waiver wire is up. FFPC waivers are closing. But remember, we still have a Saturday waivers run that we get to sneak those last-minute players in. And I write player notes on basically everyone that I think you should have an eye on. So Daigle10 there. Also, the free BetSports app where I log my Thursday night bets at completely free. I went one and one last week. Nothing to be excited about, but I will log them again anyhow this upcoming Thursday. Hey, that's not Owen two. It's not Owen two. <laughs> if, the, if the line is an hour next week, smash the over. Uh, my time oh. management is like the Denver Broncos. Apparently, poor job by me. 
Uh, we'll do better. We'll make it more concise. What else are we going to do on a Wednesday night? We're going to talk football with our friends. That's okay. There you go. I mean, yeah. Uh, I please, I, I tend to ramble and feel free to. Uh, you know, we can move on. They cut me off, and but the, the people like it. If they're still sticking around, I think they're sticking around. I see enough people lurking. You, you said last week got a ton of views, so yeah, they're sticking around. Yeah, it was a it was a well it was a well viewed show. Hopefully, we keep that audience uh, you know this week and going forward. We do appreciate the support. Uh, we appreciate producer Steve. Producer Steve stepping in. Appreciate you producing. Sorry about your Mets tonight. Rich Rebar, Sharp Football Analysis, John Dago, 4 for 4, Betsperts. I was Dean from Roto Grinders. This was the NFL Pick 6 Show. Thanks for watching. We're out of here. Oh. <laughs>